Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church, or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at newsound.church. Enjoy the message. So I'm going to tell you, uh, um, there's this real sad story. I'm going to tell you a real sad story. So there was these three older couples. They were driving. Uh, they were all going out on a date. This is true. This is not made up at all. So they were all going out on a date, and the car just drove off a cliff. Gone. And uh, they were so sad, they all end up going to heaven. And um, they're all standing there at the pearly gates. And the first couple walks up, and St. Peter's standing there, and he's got this book, and, and he flips this thing open, and he's like, hmm. We have a problem. He said, my brother, you loved alcohol so much in your life that you married a woman named Brandy. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to come in. And the second guy walked up, and, and Peter threw that book open, and he, he reads down the page. He's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, <laughs> man, we got, we got a problem. He said, brother, you loved money so much in this life uh, that you married a woman named Penny. That's a problem. And the third guy, just dejected, so sad, he grabbed his wife's hand, his wife's hand, and he said, come on, Fanny, I don't stand a chance. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. <laughs> now, I say that because the reality is, is we're going into this holiday season, we all kind of have our, 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 our things that maybe we have put above maybe God's best for our life. That, that, that are our things in this life that we love so much. Or, or maybe we even find that we can't do without them. They're just, they've become what we would maybe call an addiction. And addictions maybe could be defined in this way as the continued use of a mood-altering substance. Or, how about this, a behavior despite the fact that it's not helping you. Despite adverse consequences like we know it's damaging us we we know it's not good for our marriage we know it's not good for our relationships we know it's not good for us personally it, it makes you feel condemned or, or separate from God there's just things that are bothering you and, and 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 you carry it around like this piece of shame and, and 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 even as you're doing it sometimes you think to yourself why am I doing this and Paul actually talked about it in one of his letters to the church he said he said I know the good things I like I should be doing, I'm not doing those, and I know the bad things I, I shouldn't be doing, I can't make myself stop, and, and I think that we find ourselves there sometimes, and, and you go, Josh, that's a weird conversation to be having when you're talking about how to survive the holidays, and what I believe is it's a conversation that we're not having in our homes, and we're not having it in our churches, and I believe that it's going to negatively affect this next month of your life, if you don't address that there are some things that we have been hiding from our families, or maybe even we foolishly think that we're hiding them from God. I used to think, God, if I don't pray about it, you won't know. Like, I'm not even going to bring it up. I'm not going to bring it up if you don't bring it up, okay? And, but he knows. He knows what you're dealing with, and he, and, and he, and he knows that's this, in this secret place. And in this church, we'll say it all the time, you're only as sick as your secrets. In fact, if there's a thing in this life that you pray that nobody ever finds out about the devil owns you in that area of your life and I want you to know that you can get freedom from that today you don't have to walk around 
with that kind of shame and that kind of condemnation. I would say that anything that has mastered you has become an addiction. Anything that is now the boss of you, instead of you being the boss of it. This verse in 2 Peter would say it in this way. For a man is slave to whatever has mastered him. You become a slave to it. It's all kinds of things. I mean, we know kind of the uh, kind of the hot button uh, addiction ideas. I mean, I, and I can give you a few of them. I mean, how about alcohol? I mean, we know that. Like, you know, don't you know, don't don't drink, don't smoke, and don't dip, and don't date girls that do. Like, we it's like we know like that, like that. Like you you like you you make this list, and and then so like, but I need you to understand like in. Uh, there are 10 million people right now in the United States ages 12 to 20, 12 to 20, so not even legal age. I'm not talking about people that can actually go to a store or to a bar and buy alcohol. I'm talking ages 12 to 20, 10 million of them that are binge drinkers. That's, that's one in five people of that age. Alcohol is the number one drug problem in the United States. Alcohol-related problems cost $100 million dollars. In healthcare, there are 15 million Americans today that are completely dependent on alcohol. You can actually take somebody off of crack cocaine. You can actually take somebody off of heroin and stop it immediately, and they will detox and be okay. But somebody that is addicted to alcohol, if you just immediately remove it, you'll kill them. And so we just can't figure out how to get free of it, and it's consuming, and and it's and it's costing us. I mean, you might have expected that I might bring up something like that. Money, I think some of us might be addicted to, we have, might have a stuff problem that's mastering us right now. We said it's an addiction, it's a substance or it's a behavior. And so we're spending money we don't have on things we don't need to impress people that we don't even like. 51% of homes have at least two credit cards and they aren't paying them off. If we stacked just the credit cards issued in the United States alone, it would make a pile that goes 70 miles into space. The average American debt in 2012 was $15,600. Let's assume it's higher now. How about health? How about health stuff? How about food? Food? Food stuff? I mean, I, listen, I love food. Like I, I love food. I don't work out. Because I like working out. I hate working out. And just side note, like anybody that ever tells you that they're running because they just, I just enjoy. I just gotta just go for a nice little run. It's like, you're a lot, you're lying, and I want to know why. <laughs> you didn't run just to feel better. Who are you running from, and what are you hiding? <laughs> and they, people say stuff all the time. They're like, I just went for like a, like a 9K run. I went for, like, who knows? How far is that? <laughs> Nobody can do that conversion. It's like 93 miles, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, not a math person. How about 30% of the United States is obese? 30%, but how about this statistic? By the year 2030, 50% of the United States will be considered clinically obese. I don't say any of that to shame anybody. I just want you to know that we're here, and Jesus came here to, for freedom. We need to live in freedom. And we don't have to be a slave to those things anymore. 
about pornography. I'm like, oh, no. I'm not going to get weird about it, but it's an industry that makes $13.3 billion in the United States alone. Fifty percent of men who claim Christianity as their faith admit to having had an experience with porn in the last week. And it's not years ago. It's like recently. Like it's been, it's been recent. In fact, if Christians stopped using pornography, the industry would take such a catastrophic hit that it wouldn't be able to recover. We have the power to stop this thing by just stopping the, the thing. But we can't talk about it. Lord knows we can't talk about it in the church. I mean, oh my goodness, if anybody ever knew what I was doing or what I was looking at or the things that I think, and my goodness, I have to bury that down as far from the surface as I possibly can. I need you to understand the kind of church that you came into. You did not come in to a museum for good people. You came into a hospital of sick people. And I want you to know that if there's no other safe place in your entire world where you can share the thing that you are going through, you can share it in this place free of condemnation. We're not here to condemn you. We are here to help you get free. And we have done everything that we do, from the way we set out the coffee, to the way we park the cars, to the way we play the drums, to the way we preach the message. We did everything that we did so that you would fall in love with Jesus and that you would step into a life of freedom. And I don't believe that you have to walk around with the chains of your yesterday dragging around behind you. I'm so sad to see so many believers in Jesus who are on their way to heaven, but they're living every day like they're in hell. And I want to show you can be free. And I can't promise you that it's going to happen in a 35-minute three-point message. I can't promise you that. What I can promise you is a church that is passionately committed and sold out to the idea that we will walk hand in hand with you to see you step into a life that looks like freedom. I promise you that. But it's eating us alive and it's impacting our marriages and it's, and, and it's negatively affecting the next generation. We gotta do something about it. How about the workaholics? That's an addiction in our country that we celebrate. But it's killing us. Working 11 hours a day on average at a desk causes an increase of 67% of the likelihood of a heart disease. Couple that with the fact that we're stressed out and our diets aren't great and we're literally working ourselves to death. 34% of Americans don't even take their vacation day. And so you say, so, yeah, Josh, I know, like, this isn't like the first, like, I know all this stuff, like, I kind of figured if you're going to talk about addiction, if you're going to talk about those kind of things, that's exactly what I expected that you would talk about. But here's what I believe is at the root of all of it. And it is something that I have personally struggled with my entire life. I remember the first time I became keenly aware of it, I was probably five or six years old. And I've struggled with this addiction really uh, off and on in different seasons, some more crippling than others. I've struggled with this addiction since I was five or six years old. It impacted choices in high school. It impacted uh, the college that I selected. It, it impacted the major that I chose. It impacted the friends that I surrounded myself with. I'll be honest with you, if I can be 100% honest today, 
It's impacted me even today. My name is Josh Monty, and I am addicted to approval. I'd love to tell you that I have I'm now 17 years into leading in the local church that now have like kicked this thing in the teeth and I'm now free of it. But let me be 100% honest with you and transparent because I think it's the only way you're going to find freedom. I quit every single Sunday at 2 o'clock. <laughs> I quit. Like I quit this church. I am never coming back ever again. That is the worst sermon that's ever been preached in the history of humanity. I have just killed the church. I get on Instagrams real quick to see if anybody liked my stuff. And, and then y'all post a picture of me, but you didn't tag me. And I'm so insecure that I got to be like, hey, bro, I, I wrote the sermon. I preached it. Why don't you give me a little tag? Just a little tag tag. Let me know. Let me, give me a little love out there on the, on the, on the, on the Googles. And then, and then, you know, I get out and like, and, 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 and about 2 o'clock, I just quit. I'm just done. It's the, Devil hell gets in my brain. Nobody liked it. Everybody hated that message. No, I didn't make one sentence that made sense. I don't, it's like a third grader wrote it. You should just quit. Why are you doing with your life? You're a loser. Stop. Nobody likes you. And then I wake up Monday morning, and this is just a cycle, and this is just my life. And then every Monday morning, I wake up, and I think, I really don't know how to do anything else. So let me just swing up in that office for a minute. Answer some emails. And I'll quit next week. <laughs> I used to I used to play sports and just look. I mean, I I would I, I would be devastated when I would strike out in baseball because I would think my coach he's not gonna he doesn't like me anymore. I, I can't believe, you know, and then, or I make a grade on a test, and I just think, oh, man, my, 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 my teachers, they're going to be so disappointed in me. My, my, my parents are going to be so disappointed. They're, they're not going to like me if I don't perform well. And, and then I, I picked colleges because, not because it's where I wanted to go. I, just, I picked colleges because I wanted you to think that I was smart. And so that when people would ask me one day, hey, where'd you go to college? I could say a name that might make me feel better about me. When I went into the registrar's office, they said, what do you want to take? And I said, what's the hardest thing that you do? And they said, biochemistry. I said, well, I'll do that. So I have a degree in biochemistry that I use all the time now. <laughs> Just so that I could tell you that. Because I'm addicted to approval. I was watching a sermon one time from a pastor of a large church, one of the largest, fastest growing churches in the country. At the time, they had about 5,000 people coming to church, and, and they interviewed him, and they said, what's the hardest thing about pastoring a church? He said, when people leave. And I was like, no, it's still going to hurt at 5,000 people. Ah. People say, don't take it personally. I said, what's part? The sermon or the song or the name of the church or the logo or the way we do kids? Or everything. It's all personal. It's just me sitting in an office somewhere and just wrote it all on a piece of paper. It's all personal. And I have an approval addiction. And because of that, 
I have found myself throughout my life making choices so that you would think I have value. And based on your Instagram, I would say you might have the same problem. And because you suffer from the same affliction I do, you will walk around carrying things in secret that are destroying you on the, from the inside out because you're scared to death that somebody might not approve of you if you ever went public with the thing that you're struggling with. Here's the problem. The worst side effect of an approval addiction is that it makes it impossible to get the help you need in the other areas of your life. So it's, until you acknowledge, I really deeply care whether or not people like me. I love when people tell me, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care. I don't even care what people think about me. I'm like, you're a liar. <laughs> I have clearly identified your problem. You care deeply what other people think about you. Because you do. So let me ask you a couple questions. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Okay? If you're not taking notes, write this down. Okay. Could I let go of wanting to get approval from this person? Could you? Okay, so there's somebody, and the holidays are coming. Maybe it's an in-law, okay? She's just never really liked you. From the beginning, she didn't really want you guys to start dating, and she made that very public. And then now you're here, and you're married, and you got 17 kids, but she still makes it weird. And she acts like your pecan pie is not the way that her mom did it, even though she won't give you the recipe. So you are still trying to get approval. Mate, guys, you're still working so that a boss will give you approval or so that your dad will look at you and say, I'm proud of you, son, or whatever it is. Or maybe young people, you're still making decisions so that like, people around you like you. For some of us, we, we post pictures like on Instagram and on, on our social media so that because we, we, every time a like comes in, it's like, I'm affirmed. I have value. I am somebody. And, and, we're, and, and we would hate to simplify our life down to something that crazy but the reality is we're living and dying by somebody else's approval so could i let go of wanting approval from them who is it there's somebody in your life there's somebody could you second question would you would you would you be willing to could you do it I think it's good. I think you have the ability to do that. You have the ability. You're a smart person. You have the ability to shift from making decisions so that somebody else will think life is great. Now, the next way, but would you? Would you do it? Third question. When? Next week? Week after? Christmas? New Year's? Maybe when you're a little older, a little wiser? When? When? Is that coming? Because I wonder if it couldn't happen now. I wonder if it couldn't happen today. That you don't have to walk out of here begging for somebody else's approval of you. And then last question. Could I allow, could I allow God to be my source of approval? Could I shift? Because let me tell you this. You will never fix a problem in this life by removing it. If you're addicted... So what we talked about, if you're addicted to, to alcohol, to, to pornography, to, to work, to, to money, to these things, to approval. If you're addicted, you will never get free from it by removing it. You will only get free by replacing it. And you have to make the choice as you begin to rip one thing out and put something new in. You have to choose what the new input is, which is why like we quit smoking, which is great, praise God. But then we gain 80 pounds because... Like, I got to do something with my hands. 
and Pringles are real, you know, and like, and so, and so like, so like we, so make, you got to make the choice, so you can't remove a cigarette, like you got to switch it out with some chewing gum, or, or you can't remove a bad relationship, and then add just a new bad relationship, and in fact, some of us are still living in bad relationships on a daily basis, and even though we know that they're toxic and dragging us into our worst versions of ourselves, and even though that we know that there are better relationships out there and available, and that if we would just step into it, we could find freedom, and we could begin to find people that are calling us into the best version of ourselves, but we won't do it because we would rather die in the toxic than live in the unknown. And so you, you, it's time to step into freedom. It's, it's, it's time. It's like, so when would you do it? So would I, could I? When then, if you would, and then could you replace it? You, you never fix your problem by removing it. You'll fix it when you replace it. you got to remove your, the need for the people in your life, whatever name it is that you would write down on that place. And then you got to write down, could God be my source? If him looking at me and calling me his son, could that ever be enough? But here's the reason that it doesn't become enough, and here's how we mess it up. And it's this verse, that you are living incorrectly most of the time, and I have lived incorrectly for years. John 1 says, Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, what does that mean? Here's how we actually try and live that verse. That verse, very simply, would say this. Believe, let me give you a little formula. Believe plus receive equals become. Pretty simple. But that's not how we live. Here's how we live. We live, believe, so you come to a service like this and you're like, God, I want, I need things to change. I need it to be different. God, I give you my life. I believe. I believe. And then, and, and, and I'll start doing something great with my life as soon as I start becoming. So I'm going to, I'm going to start being nicer. I'm going to go down to about 30% cuss words instead of 80. And then... And then, um, and then I'm going to be, you know, maybe I'll give a little bit, like a little charity, a little charity, a little something on the side. We'll do that. Be nice. I'll, I might ush. Be an usher. Park a car. No, I could park a car. That's what I'll do. And if I can just be nice enough and bottle down all of my brokenness far down enough and just come to the place in the local church where I can pretend like I have it all together, then eventually, God, I'll be able to receive all that you have for me. So what we do is instead of believe plus receive equals become, we operate in religion, which is believe, then become, pull yourself all together and try to be as good as you can, and then eventually you might receive some things from God. And if you live that way, and when you begin to operate that way, that is always religion, because religion will always be about what you can do to make yourself right with God. Christianity, the kind that Jesus died for, is about what he has already done to make things right with you. So it's believe, and then God, I'm going to receive everything you have for me, even though I'm a hot, broken mess. I'm insecure, and I have problems, and I have a past. And I come to you today acknowledging that in all of my brokenness, God, somehow you might still be able to use me, and you still might seem to think that I have value. And so every single morning when I get up, I'm just going to commit to the idea that you have a way that's better than the way that I was going to try. And eventually, over time, I might become who it is that you have for me. But we don't get there because we're convinced that in this place, it has to be the place where we put on the mask and pretend. I see it all the time. 
fought the whole way to church. Y'all haven't talked in weeks. There's kids looking all nasty. Kool-Aid mustache, about three weeks old. And I ask you, like, what's, what's up? Like, how's everything going? And then we just, oh, it's church. <laughs> Pastor. I'm too blessed to be stressed, Pastor. You look like a mess. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. <laughs> Hallelujah. I tell you the kind of church this is. When I say, hey, man, how's it going? You say, well, I, I'm still a little drunk, and I watched a little porn last night, and me and the wife fought the whole way here, and I hate my kids. Well, good luck today. I need you. I need you, brother. I need you to preach. Coming in about a 10 this morning. About a 10. That's the kind of church this is. Don't settle for anything less than that in your life. If you find yourself questioning whether God could give you a second chance, how about you remind yourself that you never deserved the first one? Right? Oh God, uh, you've never given me enough. I blew it. I was trying to live for you, and I made some dumb decisions. I'm sorry. So now you remove yourself from your purpose. Who are you to rewrite the job description that the creator of the universe gave you? But we step out of that place. We abdicate our role in following our God-given purpose in our life because we made mistakes. I, need, I think God is trying to remind somebody in this church today that you were a hot, broken mess the first time and didn't deserve it. The Bible says that while you were still a sinner, that Christ died for you. He didn't wait for you to clean yourself up. He didn't have that kind of time. I love when people come up to me in church and they'll, they'll say something to me, well, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm like... Lord, I met you in the lobby. I knew that from about three seconds in. Like, I didn't, I'm surprised that you still think you have to qualify that. Like, we all knew. <laughs> We've been knowing that. <laughs> no, we met. I saw you kids come in. We know. It's good. You don't have to tell me you're not perfect. We cracked the code. We're on to you. We don't need you to be perfect. We just need you to begin the process of believe and receive. So that you can become. Don't try to believe and become. It'll get you all flipped upside down. So what can we do? Let me say this. Spoiler alert. There's no 35 minute two point message that is going to. You're not going to walk out of here today and go. That's it. I'll never struggle with anything ever again. Sweetie clean out the refrigerator. We're just going to lick a lettuce leaf for the next month. I'll have abs in a week. Like, we're not going to, like, it's not going to change. Like, it's not going to change. Just, I just, a whole church just throwing their laptops out into the street. Be gone from me, demon bot. Like, it's just not, like, it's just not going to happen. Okay? So this is, let's, so maybe we could agree together that this is a process that we need to go on. But, I, but you can't wait anymore. Today's your day. So what does that look like? 
Practically, I'm going to give you a few thoughts. As long as you promise to remember that this is the start of a thing, not a destination. The first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to take it to God. I think for a long time I pretended in my own mind that if I didn't take to him the things that I was struggling with, that maybe somehow he wouldn't know. So I just kept it to myself. But I love this. When Paul was writing to the church in Rome, he said in this way, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. It's in there. It's in all of us. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. And those who have been brought from death to life, offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. He said it's all his. So God, I give you all of me. For sin, listen to this, shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under this new grace of believe plus receive equals become. He said, you're new. And so I need you to just first, the first step is just acknowledging that it is a problem. I see one of the things that's happening in our culture is we are relabeling sin and calling it okay. The problem with it, guys, is if I took Clorox out from underneath the sink and called it syrup, it won't stop it from killing me. Relabeling sin won't keep it from killing you. And so what we're going to have to do is first acknowledge, God, you have a way. For some of us, we've never read our Bible. We don't know. And so we don't even know what his way is. But as you walk out of this church today, there are things that you used to say and things that you used to look at and things that you used to do, like, that are now going to be, like, they just start to, they start to get at you. And, and they start to go, man, I just don't feel comfortable with that anymore. And I want you to listen to that. I want you to listen to that because that's the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, no, listen, like, you don't have to live that way. But the start to that is, got to first acknowledge it to God. And then I would tell you, you need to repent. That's old church word, old church word. It means to repath yourself. Repath. Because the reality is, there's this moment called justification, where in this moment, if I died in this second, with all my hurts, habits, and hang-ups, with all the baggage, with all the things that I've done wrong in the world, if I died right now because of faith in Jesus Christ, like, I will, I will be for him, I will be with him forever in eternity. That's amazing, that's an amazing thought process. But then, there's this whole other process called sanctification, where it's this process of where I've got to try to get like God. Let me give it to you like this. So, this is God's best for my life, but before that, this is the direction that I'm walking. And the Bible says you got to repent. Well, it, that doesn't make a lot of sense for some of us sometimes, so let me give it to you like this. He says you got to repath yourself. So God's best is this way. You're walking this way, and you come to a service like this, and you say, okay, Josh, I'm ready to give it everything that I've got, so I'm going to repath myself. So today, I'm just going to turn. Now, you still, you're not. His best is there. I'm not who I was, okay? But I'm not who I'm going to be. Okay, so I got, I'm going to take some more steps. I'm going to learn a little bit more about who God says that I am. I'm going to try serving. I'm going to try giving. I'm going to try beating these things down that have had control of me for a while. And I don't know if we ever get to the place, this side of heaven, where we fully get to go this like this. But that's my goal. That's what I'm shooting for. Not so that God would love me more, but so that people that look at my life might want to know him too. 
I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing it to earn love from God. I'm doing it because I've already gotten it from him. And I want my life to look like a thank you letter. And so some of us, we, we, we take steps and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, pastor said say, you know, maybe say a prayer. So now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Good, I'm praying now. And then you're like, oh, and then you re path a little bit. And sometimes, you know, pastor says, oh, pastor said, pastor said, uh, you know, serve. That, that make, don't make it about you. Oh, cool, I'm repathing myself just a little bit. Oh, then he said, what did he say? He said something about, well, he said something about giving. Okay. And then like, oh, come on, baby, come on back, come on back, come on back. And then eventually, so the goal of this whole life is so that we could kind of get this whole thing turned. And looking and acting and living more like Jesus. But you got to take it to God first. That can start today. Then the second part, and this is the part that you're going to struggle with the most. This is the part that I struggle with the most. And let me tell you, you got to take it public. I don't mean on Facebook. I don't mean on Instagram. It's not Instagram anyways. It's a scam. It's a lie. It's a lie. I took my kids out the other day, and I posted this photo, and like we were downtown. They made this 700-ton tree out of sand, and that's magical. And, um, and, uh, and so we're down there, and I just post this photo. We're like, oh, just, you know, so flow living, you know, just living with the kids and the sand, and the sand and the castle and the big giant tree. And blah, blah, blah. I didn't post the lie. Let me tell you what actually happened. I had the stupid idea to take four small children to Rocco's Tacos, and I skipped nap time. And so I just spent 35 minutes before that beautiful photo that I wanted everybody to think that I got my life all together and that everything's all good because I need your approval because I'm an insecure, broken mess. I, like, the whole, for like hours before that, I was just thinking, like, I'm going to, like, if y'all don't sit down in this booth, I'm going to fight every single one of you. Like, I'm just going, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. I just, I paid for the meal. I didn't even ask you to buy anything. I just asked you to sit down. Just sit. And I made that eight-year-old a promise. I was like, one day you'll be big enough. And I'm making a mental note. And I'm going to fight you. But then on Instagram, I post the just so flow living. Sandcastles in the sand. It's a, it's a scam. Because I need your approval. And I'm preaching this message because it's cheaper than group therapy. <laughs> so you got to take it public. You're only as sick as your secrets. It's time to talk to somebody about it. That's why we advocate small groups around here. I think you can get saved in a line, but you get changed in a circle. You got to get around some people that know you and that want you to, that want to see you living in freedom. How come all the, all the people that are speaking into your life don't have one you want? Hey, I told, a, I told a guy the other day, I said, hey, before you receive someone's constructive criticism, find out if they've ever built anything. Your girlfriend, I was like, mm, girl, dump him. I'm like, you hadn't had a man in six years. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Just take a minute and let that. So what could you do? Get a small group. Try like. Do your own biggest loser competition. Whoever loses the most weight, we'll all we'll get together, we'll all chip in, buy you a lettuce leaf or something. And then, <laughs> you know, I, I, I meet a guy, I meet a guy at the gym every morning, and uh, he's here on staff with me, and uh, 
I'm meeting him at the gym because if, if I wasn't meeting him at the gym, I would not go. But I know he's going to be waiting on me. Maybe do business to lose. Maybe try financial peace. There's all kinds of financial programs. Maybe you're addicted to money and you're addicted to stuff and you don't have living freedom and you're paycheck to paycheck spending money you don't have on things you don't need to impress people you don't like. So maybe let's get some freedom. Let's go to financial peace and learn how to manage your stuff God's way. Maybe for you, you're addicted to something on a screen. My wife has access to all my devices. Um, she actually has locked all my devices, and I asked her to. You know that if you own an iPhone or an iPad or a MacBook, that your wife can actually put a password on there where you can't get to stuff that you're not supposed to get to? Guys, why wouldn't you just offer that up? The Bible says to drink from your own well. Ladies, listen to me. If he ain't coming for a drink every now and then, my man ain't walking around thirsty. He's just getting it from somewhere else. Okay? Sorry, dudes. That's on me. I own that. I let it out. But listen, let me tell you why I'm letting it out. Because it's destroying your marriage. You're like, well, it's not. Oh, I promise you it is. Because it's, it's damaging you uh, relationally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's a problem, and we got to get free of it. So what if we just put some filters on all of our devices? I, I have a, a lot of pastor friends. They see every search I make online. They can see every single search. They get an email sent to them on a weekly basis that shows everything that I search for. And if there was anything that gets flagged in that search, they are made aware of it immediately. We set it, we set it up that way because we, we call it Operation Finish Well. Because I'm an idiot. And I want to finish well. There's a million things that you can do, but none of them will happen in the private place. In James 5.16 it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So God will forgive you when you take your sins to him, but he heals you with people. And you can trust me enough to tell me what you're dealing with, and I can trust you enough to receive it. He said there's a healing that happens that doesn't happen when it just comes to him. But some of you today, it's hard for you to manage to think about that. And number three, I'd encourage you, you've got to take it back. Today's your day. It's time to take it back. This thing that has been messing up your family, it's been messing up your marriage. And Paul said, no, I beat my body and I make it my slave. I'm not, it's not the boss of me. That, so that after that I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I got a question. Who's got, I need somebody to help me on an illustration. Who's got, who's got a, like a $20 bill, $50 bill? $100 bill is better. It's better. I just need to see it. Yeah, you got one? Oh, man, come on. A hundred's better. Um, Two hundred if you got it. And um, I just need just a little gas. Just, yeah, just a little gas money. Oh, my God. I actually had one of these from a while. That's a hundred dollars. That's crisp. So, how much is that worth? hundred? Right? Why? Because the maker of it determined it so? what's its story? I mean, has it always been in this beautiful Christian man's pocket? Or maybe, maybe it's been some places it's not very proud of. 
Maybe it's done some things it's not very proud of. But even with its story, it's, it's still worth a hundred. But then life tends to happen, doesn't it? I'm addicted to screens. And maybe it's food. Maybe it's somebody else's opinion. Maybe it's something that happened to me. Maybe it's choices that I've personally made. And we find ourselves a little beat up. And because of that, you think that God couldn't use you. I'm here to tell you today that that's why he can. How much is this worth now? A hundred? Really? I mean, how about, let's get, let's get some little... Now it's dirty, ain't got spit, and I stepped on it. How much is it worth? So you mean to tell me that this $100 bill that's been through some stuff never lost its value? But because you've been through some stuff, you did. Listen to me, church. You are more valuable than this. And you don't have value because somebody else says you have value. You have value because the maker of the thing determines the value. And for some of us, we're walking around with the same addiction. We have an approval problem. And because of that, we're not living in freedom. I want to encourage you today that today you can begin the process. God, I'm going to take it to you. I'm going to commit to taking it public. That doesn't mean social media. That means I'm going to share with a friend that I can trust. And if I don't have one, I'm going to get a part of a church. Immediately following service, we have what we call Explore. It lasts 30 minutes. The whole point, the whole point, we're going to tell you about who we are as a church and all that. That's not the point. The point is we're trying to begin the process of helping you make a friend around here. Because the world's going to try to tell you you were beat up and have no value. And we know you need some friends to tell you to keep going. You've still got great value. Child care is provided. I'd love for you to stick around. Spend 30 minutes with us. For some of you today, you need to say, God, for the first time in my life, I'm going to quit pretending that just because I went through something means I have no value. I know you've spoken purpose and power and passion over my life. And so now, in the best way that I know how, I'm going to step into it. I'm going to step into that thing. I'm going to quit making excuses. I'm going to quit pretending that this means I, that I'm not worth anything. I'm going to quit hiding the thing that I've been doing in the private place down as far as I can go. And God, instead, I'm going to start sharing this thing. And the thing that was my greatest mess is now the message that you're going to use to help other people get free. And the test that I'm going to pass in this moment is now going to be forever on, from this moment on, is going to be my testimony. And there'll be people that were walking around in addiction, either to approval or to a substance or to a thing or to a device. But they're going to find freedom from that thing. And you're going to redeem all of my pain. Because just because I've been through something doesn't mean I don't have value. 
agree with that today? Man, this is a, how do you like that sermon illustration? It was good, wasn't it? Get that right there. You'll be fine. Sowing that seed. <laughs> Just sowing that seed. And, um, you know, I'll close with this. When I was a kid, I, I kind of lost everything. I, I got, I shattered the bottom half of my face playing football. So I have a titanium jawbone from here back to here. I don't have any feel in this part of my face. I'd lost my job. Um, I'd lost my girlfriend. I couldn't pay for my car, I couldn't pay for my apartment, I was just broken, I hadn't finished college, I hadn't, I hadn't done anything, I, literally I was, I was the poster child for unrealized potential. And I'll never forget my dad and I, who had been separate, se- separated for many years, he was sitting on, in my apartment that I couldn't pay for on a couch that I didn't own. And I told him, I said, Dad, I, I didn't, I can't finish school. I, I don't have any money. I, I don't have any friends. I, I've, I've failed at like at every single level. I'll never forget. He stuck his hands out. And he said, Yeah, but you're mine. And in that pro, in that moment, years of that approval addiction started to break off. I need you to hear today. I know you're coming to God saying, but God, I got this and this and this and this. I need you to hear him say back to you. No, I, yeah, I see. I saw that. But you're mine. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at newsound.church.